This is the Hot Stove Report. Going, going, goodbye baseball. On 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com, and the 710 Seattle app. Once again, inside the Hot Stove Report, we are thrilled to have you with us, Aaron Goldsmith and Gary Hill. We've got a lot of great Mariners baseball to talk about over the next couple of hours. We'll be joined shortly by James Paxton. Jake Fraley joins us as well tonight. Cal Raleigh, among others. But, Gary, unfortunately, we have to start the program tonight with matters off the field. Uh, We all know what has happened in Mariners land over the last few days. Kevin Mather, now the former CEO and president of the ball club, has resigned after his uh, very unfortunate comments uh, earlier in the month. And, Gary, for us and wanting to address this immediately off the top of the show, uh, I I think our most important message to everyone listening right now is that we – we are Mariners fans. We, we care about this organization just like everybody listening uh, on their phone or on the radio right now, and we are uh, as equally outraged and disappointed as they are. And this is a, this is a very sad, sad time uh, for the Mariners that hopefully uh, with time and proper action, uh, we will all get through, but it doesn't lessen the blow that we all feel right now. No, it's hard. Um, I'm angry is probably the word I would choose. Angry. Uh, for the players that were involved and mentioned in it for uh, a lot of wonderful people in the Mariners organization. I mean, there's, uh, and we have contact with uh, our coworkers, Mariners uh, employees every day. And there's so many great people doing great work every single day. And they all want this organization to succeed on the field and off the field. And so I'm angry for them and I'm angry for the fans because the fans deserve better. And I think we all deserve better than this. And this has been a really hard uh, few days, I think for everyone, uh, whether you're in the organization or out of the organization. I mean, this is, you know, I grew up here uh, Mariners are in my heart. This has always been my team and, this it's been a gut punch and it's been hard. Uh, I'm optimistic though, as, as you mentioned for where this organization is going on the field and off the field, there's a lot of wonderful people involved, which uh, I'm thankful for. And yeah, it's just, it's going to take time to get through, but it's, it's been hard. There's no getting around that. It's been hard. It's so funny because we, you know, we're coming still somewhat off the heels of the Mariners virtual baseball bash, this, this two week Mariners celebration of all these people within the organization, 60 different people took part both on field and off field. And uh, Gary, you and I talked off the air as we do so often. And we talked on the air also sharing our thoughts, our biggest takeaway from those two weeks. And you interviewed a ton of guys and I interviewed a ton of people as well. Some of which we knew already, some we were talking to for the first time. And we, we were just blown away by the quality of the person, each one that we spoke with, which of course saying that phrase now, it comes into question, but from what we experienced, it was remarkable. And you and I are both in in the same line of thinking that it seemed like everybody we talked to were the exact type of people that you want in your organization. And unfortunately that wasn't the case all the way through, but I think for me, and I'm sure you would agree, Gary, 
all the people that you referenced that work in, in this company, in this organization who care so deeply. And man, they wake up every morning with this burning desire to make themselves better, to make this organization better. And in many cases, uh, make their community and the world better. We're going to talk to Carson Vitale at the end of this first hour. He's, he's very much like that. Uh, and it is so sad when you don't have that from absolute top to bottom. And I guess the only positive that I see from it now is that now I, I, I feel like there is more clear direction than now we do have that with the change that was made, but it was certainly something that was painful to go through. And I hope for all of our fans listening who are, are with us every Tuesday night and who follow all through spring training in the regular season, uh, I understand that, uh, there's going to be some scarring that, that comes along with what's happened. Uh, but know that we care just like you care. And we are every day doing everything that we can to make this the, the best organization in baseball and truly a, a first-class organization, which uh, I believe we can get there. And we have so many good people in place to help make that happen. Well, with that in mind, we will step aside. And when we come back, we will talk about uh, some, we'll talk to rather uh, somebody that we are all eager to hear from. Uh, He has returned. James Paxton joins us next on the Hot Stove Report. Back to more of the Hot Stove on 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com and the 710 Seattle Sports app. Welcome back inside the Hot Stove Report. We're thrilled as always to have you with us, Aaron Goldsmith and Gary Hill. And we are over the moon to be talking to our first guest tonight. We take you down to the Valley of the Sun, to Peoria, Arizona. And we welcome to the program, James Paxton, back with the ball club. James, it is wonderful to be with you tonight. How are you? Thanks for having me. It's great. You know, I'm I'm loving being here again. Um, Great to see everybody. A lot of new faces. But, uh, you know, it's great to be here. I'm excited to be a Mariner again. Yeah, you bring up new faces. That's a good point. Uh, your your manager is the same. Uh, but other than that, there are not a lot of guys in that clubhouse uh, who were at least full-time regular big leaguers when you were last year. Uh, have you been having to do a lot of hellos and nice to meet you? Yeah, meeting a lot of new guys. You know, everyone's been great. I uh, really like all the guys I've been working with. There's a few familiar faces, you know, with uh, Marco around and Hanniger. Seeger's going to be coming in today. Um. You know, I think that's I think that's it as far as guys that were here when I was here before. Um, but yeah, I'm really liking all the new guys, all the guys I'm meeting. Seems like a great group, and uh, it's going to be a fun season. You know, thinking about that, you know, all the young players on the team, the young pitchers on the team. How much are you looking forward to a leadership role with this club? I'm really looking forward to it. You know, I, I enjoy that stuff. I enjoy helping other players, and uh, you know teaching them what I've learned along the way, uh, as well as, you know, learning some new ideas from these young guys. You know, they kind of have come up in a different era, I guess, as me. I feel like the analytics has really taken off in the minor leagues since I came through, and they have a really good understanding of how that stuff works. So I feel like I can learn from them when it comes to some of that stuff. You have a a new pitching coach uh, this year with the Mariners and and Pete Woodworth. Uh, How much rapport, how much conversation have you been able to have with Pete in the early days so far? Yeah, we've had a couple of meetings just talking about, um, you know, me and uh, how I like to work, what I like to know and uh, what my approach is on the mound. And he seems great. You know, I think we're going to have a great relationship. I think he's going to be able to help me a lot and keep me on the on the track of uh, where I want to go here. How have the early days been in camp so far? 
they've been good. You know, we've had a great time. Uh, like I said, the group's awesome. We've had a lot of fun and, uh, you know, it's going to be fun to get the positional players in here and get the whole group going. Uh, I think we have a really good uh, group of guys. James Paxton is our guest on the Hot Stove Report. Uh, James, you're, you've had to recover from what sounded like a, a pretty serious a surgical procedure in, in your final year with the Yankees, uh, a, a back operation. Can you tell us kind of what prompted this and what you've had to go through to get back up on the mound? Yeah, so 2019, at the end of the season there, um, I was having some issues with my back and kind of in my glute. And it would happen when I would raise my, my right legs. I was going towards the plate. And I had to pitch through the pain in the postseason because that's just what you do in the postseason. And then I went to the offseason. It just kind of progressively got worse. Uh, you know, couldn't work out without pain and stuff. And then we finally figured out, what was going on there? Uh, and I had a cyst in my, I think, S1 joint in my back. So we had to go in and um, get rid of that cyst. And then just recovering from that surgery took took some time. You know, I just had to get the strength back and everything and feel like it really messed up my mechanics. So I really had to break things down this offseason and uh, kind of build from scratch and really uh, get that strength up in my core and in my back. You mentioned pitching in the postseason. How different was it uh, pitching a postseason game compared to a regular season game? What was that experience like? Oh, man. So my first one, I, I couldn't feel my body. Like I was so like jacked up, like everything was just buzzing. I couldn't feel the ball in my hand. It was just letting it rip. And then each game, it got a little better. You know, I got uh, more feel, felt more comfortable out there. And by the third one, you know, I felt like myself again out there. I mean, I was fired up, jacked up, but uh, it was it was a great feeling and went out there and, you know, pitched with my heart. And that was um, that's what it's all about. It was, it was tons of fun. It's a pleasure to be joined by James Paxton on the Hot Stove Report. James, in your first stint with the Mariners, uh, we saw you change right, and develop as a pitcher on the mound. And everything from the results to the mechanics. I mean, like any young player, we saw you evolve. Uh, how are you different uh, in terms of anything mentally, physically, uh, how you throw a ball from the last time that we saw you in a Mariners uniform? Yeah, well, I think you know, in baseball, we're constantly learning and adjusting. You know, it's what this game is. It's, as soon as you get stagnant, you get passed by. Um, so I'm, I'm focused on continuing to get better, continuing to learn and um, um, just become a better pitcher. You know, I think uh, this year I'll be using the changeup a little bit. You know, it's something that I've worked on uh, mechanically. Uh, I've worked on things, kind of clean things up, and feeling really good about it right now. The ball's coming out great. And, uh, yeah, just um, feeling good. What was the impetus in developing the changeup, using it more? Where did this come from? Well, last year I wasn't throwing as hard, so I had to have something to change speeds and really force me to throw my changeup more. And um, I think that made me get more confidence in that changeup because I had to throw it. And coming in, going into the off season and throwing it early in camp here, it's feeling really good, and I feel a lot more confident letting that pitch rip. So I think it's going to be a usable pitch for me this year. What are your goals in the spring in preparation for the regular season? Like, what would you like to accomplish getting ready? Well, I think uh, for me, it's going to be, you know, getting that velocity back uh, gradually throughout the spring, you know, making sure that's still there. Um, and then working on my breaking stuff, making sure I'm getting on top of the ball. You know, I'm focused on my spin direction right now to try and get some good ride on the ball. 
um, working with some analytics stuff, looking at some tunneling. Uh, but, you know, the first few games are just going to be getting my getting used to being on the mound again in competition. That's usually what it's about. And uh, focusing on locating the fastball and go from there. James, uh, five years ago, we never would have heard a pitcher say that in spring they're working on their spin direction. Uh, so this is a very interesting topic for many of us. Can you tell us uh, what exactly you mean by that and, and how you get it in the direction that you want it? Yeah, well, last year I really had a hard time with it because of my back and my mechanics. I was getting on the side of the ball and my, my fastball was coming through the zone really flat. You know, So it was easier for the hitter to see. Um, now I'm trying to get my fingers more on top of the ball and spin the ball. Uh, more at like an 11-15. Um, so, you know, if this is – I don't know if they can see the video here, but, uh, you know, so they can't see it. All right. So I'm just on a, on a clock, you know. So on a clock, you know, you got you got 12 o'clock. I'm trying to be on the – like between 11 and 12. Right last season, I think I was closer to, you know, 9.45 or 10. So I was getting a lot of like kind of run and not getting that uh, ride on my fastball that is really good for me at the top of the zone. So – Getting more on top of the ball, being closer to 11 15 is going to give me some more ride on my fastball. I think it's wild to think about just in the time you've been in the majors, how much we've learned about pitching and the analytics, how it's changed, how we look at things. What helps you the most when it comes to you as a pitcher? Well, I think for me, it's that spin direction that we just talked about and my release height and making sure that my release point is the same on every pitch. You know, I don't want to be giving away what pitch I'm throwing by throwing pitches from a different window. You know, I want all of those pitches to come out looking the exact same and then break off when it gets closer to the plate. It's great to be joined by James Paxton on the Hot Stove Report. James, you mentioned a little bit earlier trying to regain that velocity. I'm curious with the people that you've spoken with, whether it be trainers, the doctors who perform the surgery, uh, pitching coaches, is there a belief that that velocity can be regained in in full throttle and back to where it was? Or is there something, is there going to be a, a, a compromise in velocity given what your body's gone through? Um, I don't, I think I'll be able to get it back. You know, I, when I went through the back surgery, they had to do a mini microdisectomy, you know, so take out a little bit of bone. And they said that it can take up to a year for that to grow back completely. Uh, so I got that surgery done in February of 2020. So now, you know, that should be completely healed and it feels completely healed. And my body should be, you know, in a place where I can then move at the velocity that I want to move without, you know, subconsciously holding myself back. James, when take us back a little bit through the process, right? You, become a free agent. Uh, you are a guy that has a, a track record in the big leagues and a, and a very good one then at performing. Uh, when it came time for you to discuss opportunities with teams, uh, this obviously didn't happen until the, the days leading up to spring training, but you're not alone at that given the free agent market right now. Tell us what this offseason was like for you and trying to find the perfect fit for you and your family as to where you wanted to be. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I, last year was really tough for me. You know, there's a lot of question marks, I think, uh, with me from teams. And I understand that, you know, after what I went through last year. So obviously I wasn't coming into, into free agency um, in the best, at the best time for me in my career. Um, that being said, I did have a lot of interest from lots of teams. Um, they were kind of calling and, you know, telling us that they were interested uh, throughout the offseason, weren't a lot of offers that came in. They came, uh, the offers started coming in more late, uh, to, more towards spring training. Um, and I did get some get some different offers that we looked at. But 
overall, um, my wife and I decided that Seattle was the right place to be for me, somewhere where I feel comfortable, um, you know, and I get to live at home uh, in Seattle and really just get my feet back under me and, um, you know, focus on getting back to being myself out there on the mound. I know you had a, a bullpen session that was a throwing session that was that was open. Uh, that uh, I know Jerry uh, sounds like was there and Justin Hollander, assistant general manager. Uh, what's it like for for a guy in your position where, I mean, you know that how you perform in this very small snippet of time is going to have a major impact to your near term and possible long term future. Uh, how does that feel compared to you're lacing them up? for every five days in a regular start? Because in some ways you can make the case it has as big of an impact as an actual start. Yeah. I mean, it was tough to kind of get, you know, fired up for a bullpen, you know, throwing in December on turf, you know, in turf shoes. Um, you know, at that point I was only throwing fastballs and changeups. I wasn't throwing breaking balls yet, but you know, there was some, definitely some added adrenaline with people that are watching and everything, but uh, I was just focused on, on, on my mechanics and, um, and letting it rip and just showing people that I was healthy. You know, I just wanted to show people that I was back to being healthy. I could get on top of the ball again. I think I showed that I had that ride on my fastball again, and I was consistently um, repeating my, my delivery. Well, it's great to be with James Paxton here to begin the Hot Stove Report. We will return with more of James when we come back. All things Mariners, all off-season. The Hot Stove on 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com, and the 710 Seattle Sports app. Two balls, two strikes, two on, two out. Paxton, his 2-2. Swing and a miss. He did it. 97 crackling right on by Smolinski. Down he goes. Strikeout number 16. A career high for James Paxton. They're on their feet here at Safeco Field. A standing ovation as the A's have gone scoreless through seven innings. Big game here for James. What a night as he has dealt. Hot Stove Report rolls along. Aaron Goldsmith and Gary Hill as we continue our conversation with Mariners starting pitcher James Paxton. So we're going to see number 44 on your back this year, right? What? what uh, anything special with 44? Uh, well, 44 is a number that I wore uh, back when I was pitching in Ladner as a younger player. Um, so it kind of um, is nostalgic that way, I guess. Um, you know, 65 is going to be worn by Casey Sadler, and he's wearing it for a very good reason that I support. Um, so that's why I was totally comfortable with letting him keep that number and me moving on to number 44. And uh, I feel good about it, you know, kind of starting the, sec- the second chapter of my of my career. Was Taiwan the last 44? I think so. Yeah, he, I, 44 he, is like Taiwan. Like that was his big – I mean, always got like the double zero on the 99 thing going now. He's like, he's the cool kid now. Right. Uh, but like 44 was like, he was a big 44 guy when he broke in. I thought. Yeah. He texted me. He told, he, uh, he's like, Hey, you're going to be, you're going to be wearing my number over there. I was like, yeah, yeah, dude, I'm trying to be like you. <laughs> uh, James, I, I have to say, uh, it does look good to see you with some facial hair. Yeah. I now I know. I know when, you know, you go to the Yankees and you get the pinstripes and, you know, Braun Razor Company reaches out and they were like, oh, James, we want you to be the spokesman for our razors because you got to shave it all off. Like, that's cool and everything. But like now I feel like it's packs in a flannel back in the Northwest on a rainy day. Like this, this seems like an old pair of slippers, James. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, I think the the beard is definitely more me. Uh, I think you know you fit in over there. You know, clean shaven. You know, fashion looking guy. I'd be, I'd be just fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I, I'm comfortable with the beard, and my, my wife was happy that I was able to throw the beard back to. I understand. Uh, James, as a, a proud Canadian, as you know, I mean, there's hockey coming to town, man. Yeah. Now, I know you you were not yeah. like this. You were not as prolific of an amateur hockey player as you were a pitcher. Not, not close. Even, is that fair to say? Yeah, not even close. So it didn't play any organized hockey. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're talking to the one Canadian yeah. whose child did not play organized hockey, which is fine. I think it was a good decision. Uh, but I would think since this is home for you year-round, regardless of your employer, like having some hockey in town has got to fire you up a little bit, make you feel even a little bit more like your upbringing, right? Oh, it's going to be great. You know, I'm definitely planning on, once we can, go to games. I'm going to be going to some hockey games and, I love watching hockey live. It's uh, probably one of my favorite sports to watch live. We're, ex- we're excited for it, too. And, uh, man, we are pumped that number 44 is now back with the ball club, which is going to be kind of strange, but we'll get used to it. That's all right. Uh, but, James, man, some of our best memories in recent years uh, involve James Paxton on the mound. Like, there's no doubt about that from the no-hitter to uh, the the 16, was 16 strikeouts, right? 16 strikeouts against the yep. A's? Yeah, that's right. Which, which, by the way, let's get the definitive answer to this, James. Mm. Which game did you pitch better in? The 16 punchies against the A's or your next start, which was the no-hitter against the Blue Jays? I definitely had better stuff um, in the 16 strikeout game. Uh, The no-hitter, I mean, that was more about the whole team than it was just about me. Um, You know, the plays being made behind me were unreal. And um, early in the game, in that game, I I didn't know what I was – I didn't have very good stuff. And I was walking everybody. I just happened to not get up any hits. And the guys were making great plays behind me. I remember uh, D made that diving play, I think, in the first inning in center field. Uh, and then I kind of started to lock it in, and I got got the breaking ball going. I started locating my fastball better, and then the velo came along um, later in the game, and it all it all just worked out. Okay, so in a game this year, if you had the choice, would you rather throw another no hitter, or would you rather strike out twenty in a game? Ooh. Ooh, man, that's a tough one. Um, honestly, I think striking out 20 in a game would be sick. That would just be a better <laughs> Just a, a notch on the belt. That's pretty awesome. I mean, not many people have struck out 20 in a game. That's a pretty elite list to join. I'm thinking okay. about that, man. Like, it would be. Uh, I, I think that's – can we earmark that quote from Paxton, by the way? It would be sick. <laughs> that's a good one. But, man, to have – to have multiple no-nos on your resume. Oh, true. Yeah. I mean, both are awesome. You know, I'm just thinking like the list of guys that have struck out 20, I think is a lot shorter than the list that's thrown a no-hitter. To be on both lists would be pretty cool. Yeah. No, fair. Very fair. I like where you're thinking. We're not trying to make you pick children here. <laughs> basically, basically our, that's what our questions are taking you. Uh, but Man, we're we're so happy that you're back with the ball club, James, and we wish we could see you in person, but we'll uh, we'll settle for this. I know the fan base is fired up to have you back as well. Maple Grove is going to be uh, whether it's uh, virtual to start in person at some point, hopefully once the season gets underway. It's a uh, very spirited, lively cheering section that we all have uh, uh, grown to love immediately. It's it's fantastic. So, James, it's great to see you, man. Thank you for hopping on with us tonight. Thanks, thanks for having me. Looking forward to being a part of this uh, talented young team here. It's going to be a lot of fun. There he is, James Paxton, back with the ball club in 2021. Kind enough to join us tonight on the Hot Stove Report. 
Gary, one of the uh, great new features I feel of the program that we have had over the last couple of months has been the ability for listeners to reach out to us directly and send us a question by emailing us at marinerspod at mariners.com. Once again, that's marinerspod at mariners.com. And now let's, uh, let's take this week's question. Let's do it. This is a good one. You ready? I'm ready. Hi, my name is Aubrey, and I'm nine years old and go to Cottonwood Elementary. I am the smallest one in my family, but I am the best athlete. The Mariners did a lot better at playing small ball last year. Do you see that happening again this year? Who is the Mariners' best base runner, and who do you expect to bat leadoff most of the time? <laughs> Aubrey, you're fantastic. Yes. Aubrey's coming for our job. <laughs> Uh, Aubrey, thank you for your question. Thank you for listening. And you know what? A growth spurt's coming. I'm telling you, boy, a lot of good stuff here. Three for one. Start. You know, small ball can be interpreted a lot of ways. The Mariners stole a lot of bags last year. After all, uh, I, I think that can change from year to year with personnel uh, changing along with it. Uh, but I am, I guess I'm curious to see if if that rate will will somewhat stay the same for the Mariners in a full season in in 2021. The question about the best base runner, Gary, I like is very that. difficult because, as you know, normally the best base runner is like the sneaky best base runner. Rarely is your best base runner the guy who swipes the most bags. So I this is how I would answer the question. If you look at Per StatCast, if you look at the fastest sprint speed among Mariners' regular everyday position players last year, I think some people might be surprised that it was scary. Evan White, you know, and it's something we talked about during the season that it is not the correct thing to say that Evan White is fast for a first baseman. That is not accurate. Evan White is fast, and usually you don't say X so-and-so player first baseman is fast. That's usually not something that goes together, but in this case it is. Evan White is fast. In fact, he's fast enough to have been an outfielder if he just wasn't so gifted at playing first base. That's a great point. There were a lot of teams when he was going through the draft process after his junior year at Kentucky – who thought of him as such a great athlete that they toyed with the idea of moving him to center field because that's where you want to have a great athlete. And there was some thought that you would be wasting his athleticism at first base, a more static position. (laughs) Well, as we have seen in a very short period of time, uh, the Mariners made the right decision to have him at first base, obviously. But even though you don't have to be the fastest guy to be the best base runner, Uh, I think Evan White will be among the fastest on the Mariners Mm -hmm. for years to come. And he strikes me in in our conversations with Evan, he strikes me as the type of heady guy who really enjoys that aspect and that element of the game and would continue to get better at it as he matures, especially at the highest level. So I, I don't know if I can declare him the best base runner on the team right now, Gary, but I feel like, he will be among the best base runners for the Mariners in years to come. That, which again, doesn't mean that he's swiping the most bags, but I think he will take the extra base with greater ease than some other guys. 
I think you will have a handful of swipes too along the way. But yes, I agree. I agree with all of that. We agree. Well, shockingly. <laughs> Thank you, Aubrey. Uh, Aubrey, for submitting your question, you will be receiving. That's the last one. Oh, thank you. I can't believe you will be receiving a Mariner's prize pack. You will receive a Mariner's prize pack. Yes. But the last one is great too. I can't. Thank you, Gary. I can't. I'm so sorry, Aubrey. This is actually my favorite part of the question. I got excited about Evan White swiping like 30 bags, as he said, right? That's what he said. Uh, Who will bat lead off for the Mariners in 2021? I love this question. I think, I feel like uh, JP Crawford is in that conversation, right? I mean, it's kind of a natural, natural fit. I would be very intrigued by Mitch Hanniger leading off for the Mariners. I don't know if it will happen. He has done it before at a very high level. I think he'd be really good at it. Good on base guy. Bring some pop as well. Really good hitter. Gary, yeah. two, 2018, Mitch Hanniger. Uh-huh. 45 games as a leadoff hitter. You ready for this? Hit 330, eight dingers, a 967 OPS, a 164 WRC plus. He was 64% better than the average big leaguer when he was batting leadoff. This is what I'm saying. I completely agree again. I would love the idea of pop at the top of the order like that is very intriguing. It is going to be interesting to see how that plays out going into the season. And I'm curious to see what kind of it's one of the things that's interesting to look at spring when you there's times when like, oh, that's the starting lineup. You know, when the starting lineup gets rolled out all at the same time, it's just interesting to see where guys are slotted in the batting order. Not that that's where they end up on opening day, but it's one of the things that will be fun to look for. I'm very intrigued by that, Aubrey. Thank you for bringing it up. Uh, Aubrey, I will reiterate for submitting your question. If you receive a Mariners prize pack, uh, we will uh, be reaching out to you shortly for that, Aubrey, and uh, go get them. Nicely done. Hey, we got plenty more to get to here on the Hot Stove Report. Uh, today marked the first full squad workout for the Mariners, meaning the start of spring training games is right around the corner. Just in time, tickets to Mariners spring training also go on sale tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock with only 2,000 socially distanced seats available per game to buy your tickets and read about the health and safety guidelines. All you have to do is go to mariners.com slash spring training. We do have plenty more to get to here on the Hot Stove Report. We are thrilled to have you with us here tonight. When we return, we'll be talking things over with Carson Vitale of the Mariners coaching staff, one of our favorite guys. He swings by next on the Hot Stove Report. Back to more of the Hot Stove on 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com, and the 710 Seattle Sports app. Welcome back. Glad you're with us on the Hot Stove Report. Aaron Goldsmith and Gary Hill, and we're really excited to talk to our next guest. He is the uh, the Forrest Gump of Mariners baseball. He is the most recognizable man, uh, maybe in Seattle, certainly uh, at the Peoria Sports Complex, as we are uh, proud to welcome to the program a proud Canadian himself, Carson Vitale, Mariners field coordinator, going into his second year in the big league level with the M's. Carson, man, it's wonderful to be with you. How are you? I'm great. we got first day of full squads. It's, it's a good day to be a Mariner. It is a good day to be a Mariner. Uh, Carson, there, there's so many things that we want to talk to you about. Like, first of all, 
what is a field coordinator, <laughs> but we, we want to give ample time off the top to talk about something that we're really grateful has uh, caught the eye of, of a lot of other people in the community. Uh, some members of the media have uh, profiled you because of this as well. You've talked to Gary about this last time uh, you were running 12 miles by yeah. UW uh, this time you were stationary, but man, you, you set up a, a goal, a new year's resolution for 2021. That is unlike almost any other that we've ever heard. Uh, tell us please what you are doing and why you're doing it. Yeah, it's a lofty endeavor, but one I think has already yielded some pretty cool things. Um, early in the off season, my wife and I started volunteering with United Way of King County and it really opened us to um, just some misfortune that is just right in front of our eyes in our own community and really shifted our perspective in terms of how we view community, civic leadership and just civic pride in general. And um, it was it was New Year's Eve and you know, I, I'm an avid runner and an idea popped in my head to make these miles more useful. So I got home that night. Uh, talked to Lucy about it and we decided to make a pledge. Um, we did it publicly on Twitter so that, you know, we could not renege on that idea. Um, and it's been, it's been, you know, really cool to see, you know, a lot of support in the area. Um, not only in Seattle, but a lot of people back from back home in Canada, a lot of people from the Midwest where I used to live in Omaha, uh, just a lot of support for the people of Seattle. Um, specifically tied to food insecurity uh, and, and families in that area. But the goal, um, as as you stated, was 10 miles a day for roughly 365 days. So, you know, 3,650 miles on the year. Um, and 50, 50 cents for each mile I run, I'm going to donate that money to the United Way of King County and hopefully attract as many people as I can along the way. So how far along are you mileage-wise right now? Let me pull up my Strava. Right. And is this your, your app to track yeah. all this? Yeah. So Strava is kind of like, is a running app in the, it's a running and bicycling app. Uh, it's pretty popular in the bicycling, bicycling community, um, but very good for, for data tracking and that kind of thing. So on the year, uh, big, big day today, actually, um, I cracked the 2000 mark. So I'm, I've currently run 651 miles since January 1st, and that puts me at 2,998 to go. Which is great, though, because I'm actually a l roughly 111 miles ahead of pace. So I banked about 10 free days where I could probably take a day if it's a, if we have an early flight to Houston or something, you know, and I can't get that run in. Um, uh, I've got some, I don't know what word to use. You got, so you got a line of credit to play with yeah, there. Yeah, a line of credit. That's a great way to use it. Absolutely. <clears throat> Man, for Carson. For those who, I, first of all, I said you're the most recognizable man in Seattle. You have a just colossal beard. I mean, the wind <laughs> resistance alone, that is the beard, it must be slowing you down somewhat. And secondly, man, you're a big dude. Like how, first of all, wh what's the specs? What's the height and weight? You do not have the build of the guy who's going to run 10 miles a day. I know, I know. I, I'm roughly right now, I'm, I'm about 6'2", uh, right around, I hover around 190. I think I played at like probably two fifteen, two twenty. Um, ideally, I, I want to run like a, I want to run an ultra, probably a fifty or a hundred mile race at some point in next off season. And I think I'd probably need to get down to about one eighty to make it realistic. 
I like the idea of fans as they drive around Seattle, just head on a swivel. Because I, I swear, a couple Sundays ago, I saw you running over the Aurora Bridge. I'm driving. It's like, hey, there he is. Might have, might have been. I chose not to honk though, because I didn't want to. You know, you're running. I didn't want to scare you, but uh, I, I just love the idea of you just running around all over the place. What, what's your favorite route in Seattle? Definitely First Ave to Pike. Up Pike to Capitol Hill, down Broadway, over the University Bridge, um, around North Lake, down to West Lake, down towards the boardwalk, and then along Alaska and back to the apartment. Roughly like 13 and a half, 14 miles. That's my favorite. That's, that's so much territory. <laughs> I, love, I love that run because, seriously, like I don't enjoy running out here in the desert nearly as much. Like The city itself provides a ton of energy. For me, at least I feel that way. Like when I'm running, you know, downtown Seattle and there's people and you see just like the, the local landmarks, it just, it creates, it creates a, an extra boost for me, at least. Carson Vitale, Mariners field coordinator is our guest on the hot stove report. You can match his donation by going to givebutter.com slash 365. I'm upset that I did not come up with the domain name, Give Butter. <laughs> uh, givebutter.com slash 365. Uh, we could talk to Carson about running for a long time, Gary in particular. Gary is, a, is an avid runner. My, my last question on the running side of things, because uh, I do want to talk a little baseball with you, is, you know, Gary, he's too humble to say it, but Gary can crush some miles, man. Like he's out there on the road doing 10 plus on a, on a regular basis. But part of the reason why he runs 10 plus is because he wanted to run five, but he gets lost. (laughs) Gary refuses to run with any technology in hand. And so he'll come back to the hotel, just beat red because he got lost in Houston for three hours. Uh, Have you gotten lost on a run yet? Let's see. Um, Not in Seattle. I mean, the, Look at the space needle and kind of never <laughs> get lost, you know. <laughs> I understand. All right. Well, maybe that's the only that's the only thing that Gary has to check off his box on the on the running uh, side of things is Gary. Gary, if you ever want to come running with me, man, I'd love a partner. I can't keep up with you, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that's actually a true story. Uh, in Arlington, I almost never came back. <laughs> Humidity there alone might, you know, be <laughs> in. Way longer than I planned. (laughs) Well, Carson, so last year was your first year as Mariners field coordinator, and we almost, of course, never saw you. Uh, But that doesn't mean that you weren't doing your thing and working your tail off. You're going into uh, hopefully a a full season, a full 162, that is, in this role. There are people who are listening who are like me and Gary, and they're saying, what's a field coordinator? So break it down, man. What's your day job? What are you doing? Yeah, it's a pretty uh, nebulous role, um, to be honest. You know, it's each day can look vastly different um, from the next. During spring, it's it's very very similar day to day. You know, create the schedule, run operations, make sure everybody's in the right places. You know, players are supported, staff are supported. Um, the best way I can articulate my job is if the Seattle Mariners were a Venn diagram, and you have. Your front office, you have analytics, you have player development, um, you have high performance. Um, I think I sit in the middle of that Venn diagram. You know, any given day, I'm supporting our player plan process. I'm, you know, making sure that our players are are feeling you know good and comfortable and, and supported. Um, likewise, with our staff, in terms of things they need, and really, I just like 
I'm constantly trying to raise the floor for our processes and our people so that we continue to grow. And you know, that looks a little different on the day to day during the season. It's, it's relatively simple. It's making sure that all of our advanced meetings are in a good spot. Our, our practice plan is in a good spot. You know, our game plan for that night versus our opponent um, is, is in a good spot. Um, basically I think I'm the, the supporting cast for, for all of our people and, you know, love what I do. You know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it for, for anything. What do you like most about what you do? I like seeing, you know, our, a process being created by us, by our staff, uh, by our, our entire group, um, and then seeing our players benefit from it, and then seeing their, you know, their their joyous reaction after, you know, their production on the field, um, you know, sees 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 an increase. You know, it, it means two things for us. It means that our players are maximizing their career, and we're maximizing our win potential. And both those things are really good for the Mariners. We're talking with Carson Vitale, the Mariners field coordinator. Carson, uh, Scott Service raves about you. He speaks so highly about you as a professional and as a dude. And uh, your relationship with Scott goes goes back well, well before your days with the Mariners in Seattle. Will you tell us about your time working for Scott in the Angels in the Dominican Summer League? Yeah. So we're both, uh, most people don't know this, but we're both Creighton graduates uh, from Omaha, Nebraska. So I, I think I was a junior in college, and, and Skip came and talked to us one day. Um, he was with the Rangers at the time as their farm director. Um, anyway, fast forward a few years, and I find myself as the AZL hitting coach. Then the next year as a short season hitting coach, and he's in town one day, and I think we're in Ogden, Utah maybe, and – uh, Skip approaches me about this potential opportunity to, to go down and manage in the Dominican. And it was, you know, nothing I've ever thought about. Uh, but ultimately, it was the hardest thing I've ever done. Um, it was the most challenging mentally, uh, physically, uh, emotionally on my family. Um, but it shifted me uh, in a profound way. And I wouldn't be wouldn't be sitting here today without that experience. Um, it's a second home for me now at this point. Um the culture, the people, it's just everything. It's a beautiful place. When you went there, did you speak any Spanish? Nope. Nope. None. No one on my staff spoke English. I didn't know Spanish. (laughs) Why do you think I started running? (laughs) (laughs) In all seriousness though. Uh, yeah, the, I've read books on, uh, ultra learning and this, the one thing they, they, that most people note is that, if you want to learn a, learn a language, burn the boats, meaning don't have a plan B. There was no plan B. I either learned uh, how to speak um, Spanish and, and get by, or I wouldn't communicate. Uh, it was great. <laughs> so how was your Spanish today? Yeah, I haven't immersed myself in the past couple of <laughs> years. Uh, so it's not, a, not as good as it used to be. Um, but it's, it's, it's always on the forefront of my mind. Um, I want to be really proficient at it. Uh, by the end of the year. Um, and I'm sure I, we have some players in, in the clubhouse that will gladly help me along the way. Nice. Well, Carson, it is wonderful to catch up with you. We we could talk to you for a much, much longer time, man. And uh, we hope we get that opportunity as this season goes along. But thank you for joining us here on the Hot Stove. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. And to the people of Seattle, I appreciate the donations and uh, you know, keep making an impact. It means a lot. Once again, the website to match Carson's donations, uh, givebutter.com slash 365.
We come back with more on the Hot Stove Report. When we return, Mariners outfielder Jake Fraley joins us after this timeout.